right, there we go. There we go. That feels good. We've been in a series that up till this week has been called Training Camp. And so then I was a little confused because I can't do Training Camp on opening Sunday, but I wasn't ready to start the new series yet, which begins next week. And, uh, and so today is opening Sunday, and we've been talking about that. Really, we're in a season as a church as well that starts in the fall after Labor Day that runs, that runs through Christmas. And, uh, and so it's a time for us to really just get ready for what God has for us. And how many of you guys watched uh, the opening game on Thursday night, the Broncos and Ravens? Any football fans out there? Yeah, yeah, I watched the first half, and, uh, you know, I, have, I play fantasy football. Anyone else? Fantasy football? And, and if you don't know fantasy football, it, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. But you get to pick certain players, and I have a few players that played on, on the game that night, and so I was interested in it. And I, had, I happened to have um, Peyton Manning, if you know who he is, and uh, Demarius Thomas, one of the receivers and the kicker for the, the Broncos. And so I watched the first half, and they were, they, they were doing okay. Um, and I was playing Chris Walton, you know, who just moved. I'm playing him first, so I want, I want to beat him. Uh, and they were doing okay first half, but then I didn't get to watch the second half on Thursday night. And then, and then at the very end, just before going to bed, I turned it on, and I saw that, that Peyton Manning had thrown seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns. I like, I like scored more on that first game than, than somebody's doing an entire, entire game just with these three players. So I'm off to a good start. But what's amazing with, with Peyton Manning is that, uh, he was ready to go, wasn't he? I mean, think about somebody who's saying the season is starting. I'm ready to play. I mean, he broke record or he tied a record that stood since the 1960s, right? And so here comes somebody who there was no doubt about it. Peyton Manning was ready to go. Now, there was another team that did not appear to be ready to go, and that happened to be the Ravens. They got whooped down pretty bad. And I want to make sure that we're ready to go. I, I want us to be people. I want us to be a church that looks at the season and expects great things for God that says, we're ready to go. I'm ready to put my best effort forth, no matter where I'm at, where I'm serving, what I'm doing in the church, in my faith, at, you know, in, in the things we're doing together as a body. I want to put my best foot forward. I want to be ready to go. And, and, and we want to see what God can do through us in this coming season, in this fall. We've got some great stuff lined up. Like I said, we're starting, uh, our small groups are starting tonight, and they're running this week. And so we're, we're, the groups are going to be forming and, and uh, building those relationships and, and, and getting into that rhythm of uh, being in that, in that relationship of community together. And so that's exciting. Like I said, almost 80 at this point already uh, involved, and I hope more by the end of today will be involved in small groups. And uh, we're starting a new series, like I mentioned, next Sunday. We're going to go through the book of Joshua. We're going to take six weeks to go through this awesome book that's going to really help us understand how do we deal with um, reaching the promises that God has for us. When, when we think about what God has for our lives, for our marriage, for our kids, for our church, why does it sometimes feel like we live in the shadow of those promises and can't seem to maybe reach them? And that's what the people of, of Israel felt as they were approaching the promised land. And so we're going to look through that whole book in Joshua about how do we seize the promise um, in our lives. And that's going to be a great series, and the small groups will be digging through that as well as we um, go through the next couple months. I mentioned the Pancake Jam and all the Christmas stuff coming up. Uh, it's going to be a great, a great, great season ahead for us here at One Community Church. So today I, want to, I do want to talk about being the church. Not attending church, but being the church. How many times do you think in your mind, I think I, and I fall into this kind of trap too, that I think, when I think about one community church, I, I think about this. How many of you think about this as one community church? It's okay to raise your hand. I'm not going to like go, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, like I just admit it. I sometimes think about that too. We think in terms of it's the Sunday morning, I'm going to church. This is the church. And when we go to church, they have a kid's stuff 
going on, and they've got a, a worship service, there's music, and there's teaching, and, and that's the church. This is a component of church. This is worship. And what I want to talk about, if we're going to go into the season, how are we going to be the church? And where do we really experience and understand what it means to be the body of Christ? And so as we get going here, I want to, have a, I'm going to throw a, a, a statement out here. And I want you to, to think about it and give your first reactions to somebody sitting near you. And here's the statement. For most people, the first step away from God is usually a step away from the church and his people. The first step away from God is usually a step away from the church and his people. Discuss amongst yourselves. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? I'll make some noise. I'll create some background noise so you can feel free to talk unless you guys have like, you know, 15 seconds of a song that we can play. There we go. The first step away from God is usually a step away from the church and his people. All right. All right. So what do you think? Uh, how, uh, would you, how many of you guys would agree that that's true? How many of you would disagree? All right. Oh, divided. <laughs> no. The, and, and maybe what, what, if you disagree, what, what was it that caught you to disagree? Let's just throw out some things. Okay. So you got hung up on the first part there, on what's, what, what happens first. You think it's a heart matter first. And then it's reflected and in, in maybe you're going to church. Okay. Okay, you've seen people even in the church step away from God and yet continue in church. All right, two very, very valid reasons. That's why it's an interesting uh, conversation because depending on how you focus on it. But what I want to step back is in, in my 20 years as a, as a, as a pastor's son, I grew, grew up in the church, always connected to the church. Then I've prepared for ministry and I've been in ministry for about 20 years in preparation or in pastoring. And what I can say is that this statement bears out. That this statement bears out. Now, you're right, Troy, I think there are times, you know, often it's a matter of heart. But what I would say is one of the first telltale signs is a step away from the church, is a step away from the participation of the church. And that there seems to be a very direct correlation between how invested and connected and regular you even attend Sunday mornings but are involved in the church and where your faith is at. Now, there are exceptions. There are people who can be in church their entire lives. They're there out of just routine. They're to make a spouse happy. They're just to go through the motions, and their faith is as flat as, uh, as, as this floor, right? So, but we're not talking about some of those exceptions. We're talking about in general. And, and even in the years here where I've been pastor at one, and in the, where I was a youth pastor in, in, in a church in Indiana, this happened all the time. It happens more than I care to know, and it, and it begins just subtly, you know, there's a, all of a sudden we don't, don't see somebody as much on a Sunday morning, or they're pulling away from their small group, or they stop serving somewhere, and, and, and then it happens a little more frequently, and pretty soon you just don't, don't see them anymore. And, and it's not just that they're not attending church. What's happening is the light in them begins to fade. The faith begins to die. And I think we underestimate the power of this relationship and the power of the connection to the church. And so what, what often happens is, again, people begin first, what we see here, you know, if you've been away from God for a while, you step back into church, you're a little apprehensive, maybe you're checking out a new church, and all of a sudden you're finding out, like, hey, you know, like, this isn't bad. Like, I, I'm learning something. I like the music. People are friendly, and, 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 and God seems to be softening something in my heart. I feel like God's doing something, and I, and, and I just know he's there, and we come back, and, 
and, and it seems like it's going, going great, and we make it a point to be there. And, we, and, and if we stay in that rhythm, there tends to be growth. But then something often happens, and every one of us will face this. This isn't just for some. It's all on how we respond. But something comes up where we begin to maybe decide, how do we approach church on Sunday morning? And we're, we're going to go deeper than Sunday morning worship, because like I said, the church is more than this. But we're going to start here, because this is often where it shows itself, is when you start distancing yourself from Sunday morning worship, it's often a telltale sign about what's going to be happening in your relationship with God. And so I want to ask you this question. When it comes to Sunday morning worship, just focus on that one piece right now, how or when do you decide if you're going to go to church on Sunday morning? Think about that for a minute. You don't have to answer out loud, but how, how or when do you decide whether you're going to go to church or not? Is it one of those things where you kind of go, um, I know church is happening every Sunday. One community church is going to be there whether I am or not. And, you know, and I'm not talking about whether you're, when you're sick or whether you're on vacation. I'm talking about a normal, a normal Sunday. Do you kind of go, um, I'm going to see how I feel in the morning. I'm going to see if I'm up to it. I'm going to see if I just, in the mood, I'm going to see what's on. It depends on what football game's showing. Like, what are, the, what are the factors involved in your decision to come? Is it, I was up too late last night. And I just need to sleep in, and so I'm just going to take the day off. I just want a Sunday where I'm home. Is it, is it, is it something that you decide, or is it, do you decide, decide earlier in the week? Do you decide based on what series we're in? Oh, I don't want to hear about that topic, so I, I'm not going to go. Or do you just say, I, I don't even think about it. I just, I go. It's Sunday morning. I go to church. I, I don't ever even think, like, if anything, I have to think about if I can't make it, why I can't make it, or, or when something comes up. But, but see, that, that's already a telltale sign is, if you can move to the point where you say, this is a part of a rhythm of my life. It, it's a must. It's kind of like having breakfast in the morning. Well, that might be a bad example for some of you, but it's like eating, right? I need to nourish myself, and it's going to be a part of the rhythm. And, and yes, it can get into duty and obligation. We don't ever want it to feel that in a negative sense. But in a positive sense, duty is not a bad thing to say, I, I, it's my duty to be there. It's my duty as a follower of Christ. I want to be there. Even if it's a duty to say that, that, that this is important and that I grow. And, and so what we see happening is, right, so, so you make those decisions. And, and, and let's say you're coming and, and things happen. But what, but what begins to happen, and, I, and, and sometimes I think it can be a matter of the heart, but what often times to happen is it's really subtle. And this is, what I, this is how I see it playing out. Something, something creeps in that, that there's that first time where you just kind of skip church. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever skip church, and I'll confess here, like, between Christmas and New Year's, we often go travel to my uh, in-laws in, in Oklahoma, and, and, and then there's that, worst, that Sunday at the last Sunday of the year, and I'm just fried after all the Christmas stuff and all the things, and, and I'm, you know, I'm in another, another state, and the family goes, and I think it was last year, or maybe it was the year before, but I just told Chan, I was like, I just, I just don't want to go to church this morning. I just want to sit by the fireplace and I'm going to have my own devotions. I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to do it. So, I mean, there are times where you just, yeah, you just, you maybe just need some time for yourself. And again, I'm not talking about things like that. But what usually happens, it's like, if something comes up like this, it's like, oh, there's a, I got free tickets to the game. Right? And, and again, in and of itself, these things are, are, are not major things. You know, it's okay. Go, go to a football game if you got some free tickets and you miss the church on Sunday. We're not legalistic about this. This isn't the issue. But, but what begins to happen is I bought season tickets for I got season tickets this year. I got money invested. I, I, I got to go. I, I got to be a part of it. We just, we just bought a cabin. <laughs> or we just got a timeshare. And I don't want it to go to waste. It's hot in the summer. I, and, and I just got a new tent. Or I got a new bow. Or I got a new rifle. Or I got a new ATV. Or I got a new boat. Or I got a new motorcycle. It's amazing to me how those little things. And I, 
can tell you countless times those little things have ultimately is what you could almost point back to as being the start where somebody started heading down a path that, that, that killed their faith. And it seems so innocent. It seems so, so simple. It's not a big deal. It's not, it's not affecting me at all just because I missed church once or, or twice. Or... Okay, so I only go like once a month now. You know? I, I go once in a while. I mean, I'm there. And it doesn't say, I'm still a believer. It's not like I lost my faith. I read my Bible. I can still read my Bible at home, but how many times is that happening if you're not actively participating and growing in your faith? And so it's these subtle things, or maybe it's a relationship. And you get, you get connected with some friends, or maybe, you know, that, that, you know, that, that they're out doing things on, on Saturday night, and it's just getting laid, and, and it's like, ah, you know, it's no big deal. It's just all these subtle little things. I would call it a subtle little drift, and all of a sudden you start pulling away from church. And one of the other things is, is, is sin. I mean, we don't talk, maybe someone to say sin enough, but the things that separate us from God, behaviors, things that would cause maybe guilt in your spirit. You know, something that you do where you kind of go, oh, I know that wasn't right, or, or you just have a, maybe a heaviness in, in your life. And, and the crazy thing is, when we feel that, I've seen time and time again, people say, I, I don't want to be in church. What is it about not wanting to come to church when you feel a sense of guilt or maybe heaviness or some some sorrow in your life over something you've done or you feel bad because i think that the, what happens is we think i want i don't want to go to church and be reminded of my sinfulness somehow and it's not because anyone's saying you're sinful it's sort of this idea that church represents the presence of god it represents the the holiness and purity and what's happening there and i don't know if i can go in and come before god and worship i believe adam and eve did something like that they hid in their shame right i'm shameful have we sinned i, I don't want to come before god it, it's part of human nature and and the crazy thing is that begins to pull us away. And so we start, start, start getting out of, this, out of this habit, and we make this rationalization again, which is like, it's not really, not really affecting me. It's not, it's not really doing anything. My relationship is based on God. It's not about you know, going to church. But then what begins to happen is but n- nobody called me. Nobody, nobody, nobody said anything. Or when I came back to church after missing a while, I just felt kind of disconnected. There were new people there, and... And I don't know, I just don't really feel it. And you're rationalizing as though now it's everybody else's fault versus being something that you just have distanced yourself and is part of human nature, which, which means there's separation and we aren't engaged in the life of what's happening. And then maybe some say, well, I'll go to another church and, and check something else out. Apparently, there might be some new life there. And I guarantee you, when you leave a church that, that maybe you've just been comfortable in and you've kind of lost that initial fervor and maybe there's just a good, solid relationship, but if you start drifting from that, and, and all of a sudden other things start looking really good, think back to your dating relationships or times where you weren't that invested. Those feelings when you first date someone, those butterflies, or when you meet somebody, it's always new things for us are very exciting. right? You go to a new destination, you get a new car, you get a new phone. It's always more exciting. The phone you loved before, totally irrelevant once you get a new phone. When you, when you go to a new church, when you start checking out and wondering if that's maybe the issue, you're going to be fawned over, right? You're the new person. We, they want to meet, oh, awesome. I'm somebody again. They, they want to get to know me. That other church where I used to belong, I'm just one of the crowd. You know, I mean, we, we have all these kind of rationalizations, and, but, but lots of times it's just stepping away and, and not getting involved. Now, let me take it out of the arena of, of, um, of church world, and let's put it into the fitness world, being part of a gym, having a gym membership, let's say, or, or, or going. Now, um, for the, for the last several weeks, I've had back issues. I've mentioned that. And, and what it hasn't allowed me to do is I haven't, I haven't been able to go in and work, work out. And, and the first uh, 
the first couple times I didn't go in those mornings, I got to say, I was like, I've got a little more time in my day now. I mean, that takes some time. You got to go there, you know, and you work out for an hour. And by the time you shower and you drive somewhere, like, this is like new. I've got extra time in the week. Like, this feels great. And I'm not like atrophying or anything. I still feel okay. You know, my muscles didn't immediately like disappear. And I didn't immediately whatever, like maybe working out doesn't really have that much benefit, you know, and, and it's just subtle. And then I, I miss a couple of weeks and pretty soon I'm in the rhythm of not going. And it's kind of like, hey, I'm, I think I'm doing okay. And, and then, you know, it's interesting because I'm part of like a, once in a while, I'm part of a class, my wife and I, like a group power class or something. I've been there. And it's funny, the ladies in there, that, the lady that leads, it's always asking Shannon, like, where's Mark? Where's, where's Mark? What's, when's he going to come back? And now it's almost you get that feeling like, I can't come back now. Like, I've missed this entire thing. There's all these new people in there. Sounding familiar? Right? And you start getting this feeling like you kind of duck around that class. Like, I hope she doesn't see me because I wasn't quite ready to go back in there yet. I'm getting back in this, this week. It's the same thing, but we think, like, it's not affecting me. But what happens if that totally gets out of the rhythm? You're not going to maintain the same health, the same level of fitness, that you're going to gain weight. There is an effect, and it's subtle, and we don't always see it. And that's exactly what happens with our faith when we don't stay engaged, when we don't stay connected to the body of Christ. Not just attending a worship service, and that's where I want to get to here. I want to go beyond just attending a worship service, but really getting connected deeper. And, uh, and so that's, that's really what I want to look at because the consequences of walking away, and, and it just saddens me because, again, I've seen it time and time again. The best way I can describe it is sometimes people who are just white-hot light for Christ, as they begin to distance themselves from the church, the light begins to flicker and the light begins to dim. And pretty soon, what was once there can be gone. Now, is church the answer to keeping our faith alive? Is that like the drug, the pill? No, but I think it's a necessary part of the rhythm of a follower of Christ to be connected into the life of Christ, which is the body. Christ said, who's Christ's body? Christ is the head and the church is his body. And so the church is the presence of Christ in this world. And he says, if you want to be connected to me, you've got to be connected to my body. And I think as believers, we think if we come to faith in Christ, we say, I'm a follower of Christ. And then option B is how much do I want to be involved with the church? That is never an option. That is never separated in Scripture. It is never sort of like a personal thing, and then I choose a communal thing. When you became a follower of Christ, you were automatically a part of the movement, a part of the body, a part of the way of Jesus Christ. And you were separate from the world because you were now marching to the beat of a different drummer, and you better have wanted to be pulled together to the people of Christ. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, when the church is first forming, you've got um, the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and Peter is, is preaching and says, do you remember how many, th- how many thousands were saved that day? Anyone remember? 3,000. 3,000 were saved that day. And they said, you know, the crowd was going, what do we need to do? And Peter says, repent, believe, and be saved. Turn from your sins. And they said, we believe. 3,000. And then the very next thing that you read about is they say, and they joined together in each other's homes. And they came together and and what did they do? They, they, they broke bread together, meaning they, they ate together, but they also had communion together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They needed to learn, right? They, they prayed together. And, and, and they, they just they devoted themselves to each other. And it's almost like they were saying, all right, we became followers of Christ, and we believe this. We've got to get together. We've got to meet together regularly. How do we do this? I want to, we've got to learn. I want to listen to the apostles' preaching. We've we got to pray for one another. We need, we need to be in a relationship together. 
Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when, what makes us think that if we spend one hour a week here, and if this is all we do, that that's enough to sustain us and to grow our faith into a strong faith. When we are bombarded by however many hours there are in a week, minus one, with the influence through social media, through television, through movies, through your coworkers, through your classmates, through your neighbors, through other family members and friends who aren't followers of Christ. We are in this flood all around us. And this isn't about being escapist, but it's about finding a strength and finding a foundation so that we don't begin to get pulled away and so that we grow in Christ. And so that's, that's really what I want to look at today is how do we get grounded and how do we con- connect so that we don't drift away. I just want to, I want to, I want to pray with us and just ask God to really speak into our hearts into this topic. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. We do appreciate coming together each and every week and, and, and submitting ourselves, God, to your word and to your presence. And so, God, would you just speak to us now and uh, motivate, challenge us, move us to action today, we pray. Amen. All right, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 2 and 3. I realize it's sometimes a little hard to see out there because it's a little dark. And uh, so just, you know, either listen well or look as best you can or hold your Bible up like this into the light so everyone can see. Uh, it's page 917. And, and as you're turning there, um, let me just say this. This is the Word of God. This Bible, it's the Word of God. It is truth. It is true. What this book says really did happen. And it truly has the power to change our lives. If we submit ourselves to the Word of God and not submit the Word of God to ourselves. And so let's turn to this Word of God. And we look at Colossians chapter 2. And Colossians is a a letter that Paul, the first missionary who spread the, the, the church and the Word of God and the good news of Christ through the entire Roman Empire by starting different churches, gathering believers. Here he is writing to the church at Colossae. And what he's saying is, look, I'm writing to you believers and I'm addressing some issues with you. And and this letter was to be passed on to another church in Laodicea. And so this is his guidance to that church. And so what I want to look at here is, is how he begins to talk to them about this community that they're forming and how they are to function. And I want to pull out a, a, a few key things. Because what, what I want to look at is, is how do we really lay a strong foundation for our faith? And the verse that I want to begin with is actually verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7. And this is the key verse for the formation of our small groups, which we often call roots groups. There's a reason we call them roots groups. There's two, two priorities here. We want to be rooted in Christ, and we want to be rooted in relationships with each other. We want to be rooted See, what happens is when we're not rooted is when we drift, when we fall. We can't bear fruit, right? No, no root, no fruit. So getting rooted in, in, this, in Christ in a relationship sets the foundation for our community together. And so here's that verse in, in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into Him, that's Christ, and draw up nourishment from Him so you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous, in the truth you were taught. There are four roots that I want to talk about today that, that, are going to, that are going to help us stay rooted and not be adrift and really ultimately grow in our relationship 
with Christ. Because the problem so many of us have is these shallow roots, and we mistake church attendance as being rooted. Just being here on a Sunday is a start, but it's not the deep roots that are going to sustain you. Right? Christ didn't die for the church and started the church so that we would have a place to attend. But he created a church that we would have a place to belong. That he created a place and a people that we would be a part of, a family that we would be connected to. And so how do we grow these roots? And what does it mean to be this body together? And, and so the first piece that I want to look at, there of the four things we want to be rooted in, the first one is to be rooted in Christ. Now that might just sound like a church answer, like a simple Bible answer. Of course you need to be, you know, Jesus. always answer Jesus and God and Bible and church and you're going to be pretty safe. Right, with most answers. We need to be rooted in Christ. Why is that? That's what sets us apart. I mean, that's the foundation. If we are not rooted in Christ, we, we don't have an identity. That's what's got to be the piece that pulls us together. Like I talked about you know, in, in Acts chapter 2 when the first church formed. They were like, we're believers in Christ. Now what? We've got to pull together. It's because of their connection in Christ. Always remember, in Christ. We are one. You know, it, it, I've seen it happen in, in church. I've seen it happen here. And this is, this is sad. That we, we, we had a small group here once at one. And, and it was really forming together. There were relationships that were growing strong. They were meeting together. They were discussing the word of God. Um, having this, you know, everything you'd want to see in a small group. But slowly there was a drift that began to happen. And the drift began to happen where we noticed some folks that had been leaders, had been involved, all of a sudden weren't, weren't quite as invested, it seemed. They, they, they weren't attending as regularly on Sunday. They were pulling out of leadership roles. And, and yet, as a group, they continued to, to spend a lot of time together. And, but, you know, it wasn't anything obvious at first, but it just kind of kept, kept happening and drifting slowly. And pretty soon it felt like they were kind of disconnected from big church. And all of a sudden there was this click. There was this group. There was this, this small group that, that now is living life, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, doing things together relationally, socially. And, and I felt it was time to, to, to speak into that. As a pastor, just kind of go, hey, what's going on? These are people we knew, people you're connected with, like in a small group in a church. And, um, and, and so we dug into that. And I remember a person saying to me, said, look, we're doing all the things that you've talked about in being a in being a community at the church. We're doing all things. We're connecting together. We're celebrating birthday parties together. We're going to each other's ball games. We're having coffee together. And, 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 and we're just building these great friendships. What, 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 isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you asked for us to do? And I said, well, yeah. But there's one thing missing. Christ. How can a group that is centered in Christ be pulling you away from the very foundations of what you believe? Do you gather with Christ as the center and the reason why you meet? And that's what will bring the strength to the bonds of your relationships. And sadly, that, that didn't, my, my, my pep talk apparently didn't work. And, and, and we see the lights have dimmed in person after person after person in some of these relationships. The light of faith. If Christ is not the center, we're just a group of friends, a fraternity, a sorority that maybe has a social cause. But it's in Christ. And, and the reason this is so important is because every believer, every person that says, I want to be a follower of Christ, what do we do? We, we bow down at the foot of the cross, basically saying, God, I surrender my life to you, every part of it. I no longer live, but you live in me. I'm dying. Mark Krenz must die. And you must live in me and redefine who I am as a person. Every part of me, every ounce of me, every fiber of my being is surrendered to you. God, take me. I'm yours. 
That's what every person who comes to Christ, in their own way, however you phrase that and say that, we come to. And so that's where we find equality. We've all surrendered our lives to Christ. And we are all on the way to follow Him. And so if Christ isn't front and center, what does it matter? That's our identity in Christ. And Scripture says, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is. And so if you're not gathering in Christ's name, what does it mean to gather in Christ's name? It just means that our intention is to be followers of Christ and to do His will and to guide each other on that path. And we want Christ to be a part of that and who He is. And so we must be rooted in Christ. And then, as it says there, let your roots grow down into Him and draw up nourishment from Him so you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. And there's the transition to the second piece, which is this. We must be rooted in truth. Rooted in Christ. Who is the truth? But we need to be rooted in the truth of Christ. And where do we learn about the truths of Christ? God's Word. I mean, God's Word has to be foundational because what we're not doing is we're not gathering as a body that just kind of says, tell me your opinion of things. What does Oprah think? What does Dr. Phil say about this issue? Now, we can talk about that, but we need to say, does Dr. Phil and does what Oprah says and what does President Obama and John McCain and whoever, how does this, does it agree or disagree or how does it relate to the Word of God? This has to become our reference. It's not just everybody's opinion in the group, but we do seek the spiritual guidance of those who've been stronger in the faith or who've been around longer. And, and we try to center our lives saying we've got to get rooted into God's Word. And like I was saying is, is we've got to, when, when we have conversations in the groups that we've been a part of in the past, of course the issues of the day come up. We need to be getting together in groups and talking about Syria. Do you know that? We ought to be as believers in Christ talking about Syria. We ought to be talking about illegal immigration. We ought to be talking about homosexuality and gay marriage. We ought to be talking about these issues of the day. We need to be talking about, about social media and its effects on us. We ought to be talking about education and poverty and welfare. It's okay to have those conversations. But what we need to do is not just spout off opinion, not just play the latest video that went around on YouTube and going, see, that guy's got it. Listen to it, talk about it, but it, we, we've got to look at it through the lens of God's Word and say, but what does God's Word teach us? If we're rooted in Christ, what we're saying is we've got to be rooted in Christ and in the truth of a new reality. Remember we did the whole series called Alternative Reality? As believers, we function differently in this world because our foundation is very, very contrasted to what this world is building their foundation on. And so if we're going to really be rooted in relationships and rooted in Christ, we've got to say together and say, God's Word has to be the center of, of what happens. And what we need to be able to say in small groups and in relationships and when we're together and talking about things is kind of going, where do you see that in God's Word? And this isn't just like to be like all smarty pants and whatever, but maybe to say, let's look together and go, is that really true? We hold this opinion, but what does God's word say? And so we look at these issues. And, and here's the other thing. When we have God's word as a reference, and this is what gives me great confidence to preach and speak and, 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 and speak boldly and confidently, because I'm not up here preaching my opinions. Now, my opinions do come in sometimes, and I, ha- I want to <laughs> let you know that if it's my opinion. But when I speak, when I speak, I try to take confidence that I'm speaking God's Word. And so even if I'm not perfect, even if I don't have all the answers and have it all together, it's not me I'm preaching Christ. And so what we have to see in groups and in relationship as the body of Christ is can we speak truth into each other's lives? What I see and what I feel myself in, in different times is a fear to speak truth. Because we're afraid of how people react, right? 
And so we can get this superficiality going, even in small groups. And this is one of the problems with small groups, is that we have this weekly gathering, but do we ever really get, get together and really confront some of the issues? And this is the issue of accountability, a word that nobody likes. Does anyone like to be held accountable? What are we being held accountable to? That's the question. Are we held accountable to other people's opinions? Are we held accountable just to some legalism standard that, that, that a church puts out there? No, we're to be held accountable to God's word and to his truth and to his community. And so what, what is lacking many times and what I think we need to be talking about as, as these groups begin this week, small group leaders, I want you to be talking about these four rootedness pieces that we're talking about. How are we as a group rooted in Christ? What does that mean? How are we rooted in truth? What does accountability look like in our group? And, and what we have to do is we have to come into these kind of groups and as a body and say, I give you permission to speak truth into my life. I give you permission that if I'm wandering away, if I'm drifting, if I'm making some poor choices, you have permission to speak the truth in love into my life. It may hurt me. I may not like it, but I, I need somebody to speak into me. And we are so individualistic in this country and in our faith. Don't tell me what to believe. You don't know about my, my relationship with God. Who are you to judge me? Take the plank out of your own eye. Those are, aren't those biblical? Aren't those scriptures? No, we are to humble ourselves, submit ourselves to one another, and it's not judgment when I say to you, I think you're drifting off path. Is it a judgment? In one way it is. I'm judging. I'm making a judgment. My judgment is, here's the word of God, here's where you see your life going, and my judgment is, you're a follower of Christ, and this is the word of God, and, and, and it's not just my opinion. I think, let me show you the Word of God. And, and haven't you given your life to Christ? Isn't, is this what you surrendered yourself to? Let me, let me guide you back to truth. Let, let's call that out. That doesn't happen in church, people. That's sad that it doesn't happen. And even as a pastor, if it, it, a lot of people say, don't tell me, pastor. Don't talk to me. Who are you? I'm your pastor. I mean, this is, there's a responsibility that's been given. Small group leaders, people in the church of, 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 of spiritual maturity, give them the right to speak into your life. I meet weekly or uh, regularly, as often as I can. I try to weekly with, 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 um, with uh, Larry Chouinard in our church and with, um, and with Tim Gunther. As often as I can, I meet one-on-one with them. And the goal here is to say, speak truth into my life. Let's talk about the issues that matter. Let's get into the word of God's truth one-on-one. This is, I, we got to have this because I can get blindsided and, and when we are sinning or when we are drifting off path, we rationalize ourselves. And we need the community around us to speak truth into our lives. And some of us need to have the courage to speak truth where it's difficult. But what I really want to suggest, especially as we begin these small groups, is give each other permission to do that. It's always harder to do that after the fact, right? It's harder to speak truth into somebody's life who's never asked for it. You've never had that basis of relationship. But what I want to say here is we, we have to have blanket permission as the body of Christ for other believers to speak into our lives. And I think you need to verbalize that in your group. Or maybe you need to find a trusted friend or person whom you respect and say, I need you to speak truth into my life. Help me in, in this journey. So we need to be rooted in truth. Now, if we stop there, we can become very legalistic. It's all about trying to Oh, 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 you, you messed up there. Oh, you messed up there. Oh, you messed up there. Right? We've got to, there's actually one more verse that I wanted to read. We, we read regarding truth. Because we've got to be grounded in, in what's correct. And look at verse, um, look at verse 8. In, in chapter 2, verse 8. 
He says, don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the evil powers of this world and not from Christ. People, daily we are being led astray by human thinking nonsense. And not that everything out there is nonsense, but we've got to balance it with the truth of God's Word. And what he's saying is, look, if you don't get rooted in this, if you aren't in conversation with people ever about the Word of God or what these issues of our day or the issues in my life, what God's Word has to say, we're going to be led astray. And we see it happening in the church and we've got to be vigilant about um, being rooted in the truth. But here comes the counterbalance, right? Rooted in grace. This is the tension that we as a church will always be in and will always be in as believers. Truth and grace. We have the truth, but what does grace say? Look at, um, look at chapter 3 now. I want to read actually a, a section here from chapter, uh, in, uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. So he's, he's talking to believers now who've, who've, who've said, here's my life and, and I want to follow Christ. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life, for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You, you used to do them when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. So he's talking about, these are like daily life things, right? I mean, this is what people do. This is what we do. This is what we're prone to or tempted to do. He's dealing with just very daily interactions of how people live, and he's saying, look, let's speak into that. But then he, but then he speaks this, these words of grace, verse 9. Uh, actually, verse 10. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all its wicked deeds. In its place, verse 10, you have clothed yourselves with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. You're being continually being renewed. Do you hear the process language there? This is a process. This doesn't just happen overnight. We're constantly having to work on things. If you've been in the church or you've been a believer for 20, 30 years and, and somebody says, what, what's God dealing with you with right now? What are you working on? You kind of go, nothing. Do you have any struggles? No, nothing. You're not being renewed. The nature of God is like the un- layers of an onion, right? He peels back one thing. He, he's, maybe the, you know, your burning issue is anger. That's the st- thing you're struggling with. You think, and maybe God takes months or years to work through that with you. And maybe it's always a battle for you. But, but it seems like you deal with that. And you think, if I just got rid of anger, everything would be great. And then you work through your anger. And then finally you find yourself being a more tender-hearted, compassionate person. You're not as angry. You have more patience. And God's really transforming you. And you think, hey, that was it. That was the issue I needed to deal with. And all of a sudden, pride comes in. And God starts real, or just God's making you realize, you've got to deal with your pride. We've got to deal with lust or with jealousy or whatever. And, and God is continuing to show things that, that, that help us grow into the likeness of Him. And, but what He's saying is we're continually growing. We're continually changing. And so grace says to each other, like, look, we're, we're works in progress, right? Nobody here is free from sin, but, but are we in the struggle of sin? The danger with sin is when you've stopped struggling through it. When you just kind of say, I don't care that it's sin. It doesn't matter to me that's sin. I don't, which then now you've got a truth issue, right? Now you're going back to God's worth being grounded in truth. But if you know it's truth and you know you're struggling with it and you're saying, I'm actively fighting this battle, that is growth. And that is God working in you. Don't quit fighting and struggling and trying to work with God through that. That is growth. So grace gives us room to do that. 
And, and as he continues here, it relates to being grounded in grace, but the last one here is, is, is rooted in relationships. So think about the bracketing here. It's rooted in Christ, rooted in relationships, and between the two are truth and grace. This constant tension of truth and grace, truth and grace. How do we navigate this together in these relationships? Look how, look how it plays out here as he continues in, uh, in Colossians in chapter 3. Let's look at verse, uh, verse 12. Since God chose you to be holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. He's really addressing how do we live together in these relationships. And what I know is if we only attend Sunday morning, we don't have to deal with these things. You don't, have to, you don't even know each other's faults if you don't, attend, if you don't do anything beyond Sunday mornings. You don't have to be tender-hearted and kind, except if maybe somebody steals your seat, right, or, or, or takes the last cookie from the ten with one table. I mean, those will be the, about the extent of which you're going to be challenged with living in relationships. Because mostly, just being in proximity with other people does not mean you're in community or relationship with people. Actually, a crowd is sometimes the most lonely place you can be, is it not? Right? And so, so to really be a part of the body of Christ, it has to go beyond attendance. It has to go into community, into relationship. We have got to be sitting face-to-face with each other, building relationships that are rooted in Christ, rooted in truth, rooted in grace, and rooted in this love that at the end he talks about, this relationship where we can speak and speak encouragement to each other, make allowance for each other's faults, right? This isn't the kind of church, this isn't church life where it goes, they offended me. What Mark said on Sunday morning, that offended me. I'm out of here. Happens all the time. This is a tough place to be, I'm telling you. Happens all the time. I'm going to go to that other church. He doesn't say bad things or mean things. And then the person says, I'm going to find another church. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. I was in my small group. And I couldn't believe what they said to me. Yeah, that sucks. We say bad things. Welcome to one community church. Somebody will lie to you. Somebody will deceive you. Somebody will hurt your feelings. Somebody will not notice that you just got a haircut or new shoes. Somebody will forget to call you after two weeks because they were focusing on people who were there instead of maybe who wasn't there. And you, if we make allowance for each other's faults, what we do is we assume the best in others. And we give grace and say, and even have the courage to say, you know, what you said hurt me. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to make things right with you and, and hope if there was a misunderstanding. We don't just duck and run. But see, that's easy to do and all you do is Sunday morning. When you're not sticking it out through relationships. And what, what, what really bugs me the most is we cannot confront one another anywhere in the world today. just had a run-in with my neighbor, and I had a confrontation about a, a neighbor issue, a tree issue, which was really all their fault, because his tree's on his side and ruining my yard. And I tried and really... Long story, I won't even get into it. Anyway, it really bugs me. Some of you guys know the story. You know how Jesus says forgive 70 times 7? I took that literally, and I'm past that number. Now I don't have to forgive anymore. No, I decided I'm going to confront, I'm going to do that. I'm going to confront, and I'm a confronter. If some of you guys know here, if I sense there's something between us going on, if I just get that vibe, I mean, I may try, test that for a day or so or a week just to see, but I will confront. And confront doesn't mean I'm going to slam you. It just means to say, 
you feeling the same thing that I'm feeling? I, I don't like it. And it's the difficult conversation. People do not do that today. I confronted my neighbor, and all of a sudden, I was Mr. Evil. I was the bad guy and almost got the door slammed in my face. Like, wow, that did not go well, right? And, and in the church, we've got to be able to confront. And what the thing is, most of us fear confrontation because it makes our heart rate go go up. It makes our pulse go a little faster. It, it, it takes the relationship to an uncomfortable level to be able to say the thing. And so we allow strong-willed people to just bowl over us and the, and, or, or timid ones just kind of get, get step back. We've got to have the courage. And, and the sad part is, instead of confronting, most of us bury it or eventually just walk away from it. I'm just not going to deal with that relationship. I'm just not going to go to that small group. I'm not going to be on that team anymore. I'm not going to serve with him. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to go out with that group. And eventually that's part of that drift away. And here's the sad part. On the other side of confrontation is nine times out of ten a stronger relationship, isn't there? And isn't that the crazy thing? You go up to the point of conversation and di- confrontation and difficulty, and then you turn and walk away and abandon it because what you don't understand is your relationship is going to be stronger on the other side. And so if we're just the church that only kind of walks on the surface and has surface relationships, hi, how are you, and only greet each other during greeting time, you're allowed to greet each other before you sit down and, and before the greeting time, okay? You can, you can, you can hang out and do that. And, 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 and so we've got to be able to get to a point where we wrestle through that stuff. And again, that does not happen just attending Sunday mornings. We've got to get into community. Oh my goodness, guys. I didn't realize. I'm just, I'm preaching. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to wrap this up here. Um, <laughs> I had no idea how long it was going. Um, but it's really, it, it, it's, it, it, it's at my heart because that's going to change the fiber of the relationships here is when we get face-to-face. See, the only way community is built is with time and proximity. You've got to invest those two things in relationships, time and proximity. Proximity means we've got to get into each other's space, and we've got to spend some time there. And if we don't, we will never experience the community that Christ had for us, and we're never going to get rooted in Christ. We're not going to be rooted in relationships. Our small groups are launching this week. We get together, and and four of the groups, besides the men and women's group, as families, the kids are a part of that. We get to know their names. We ask them what we can be praying for for them. We dig into God's word. We, we, we talk about what's happening in each other's lives. And look, small groups aren't the fulfillment of what it means to be the church. What they're intended to do is to be a catalyst that says, out of these groups, let that be the start that sparks some deeper relationships and then, and then run with it. Get together. You can get together on a night that's not a small group night. You can get together one-on-one, two-on-two as a family, as multiple families. You can go camping. You can build relationships. You can sit together in church. Build those relationships. And you will see the transformation that happens. So instead of worrying about taking a step away from church and, and, and that distancing ourselves from God, what we need to do is we need to lean into relationships. And we need to step into church and to get more related more rooted in those relationships. And so I encourage you over this next week or two to, to, to be a part of one of these groups. We've got some sign-up sheets out there here. If there's not a, night, a group that works on the night you're meeting, let us know, and maybe we'll find enough people together. Maybe you'll lead one um, and, and say, hey, this is important. I want to make it happen, and we'll train you on how to do that and, and what it takes. So as we, as we close here, um, that is my challenge. The band's going to come up here. Um, I, I want you to really ask yourself, how rooted am I into relationships? Because we need the truth of Christ. We need the truth of his word. We need to have people who speak grace into our lives and truth. 
and that we need to be in those relationships. And, uh, and that begins to be a picture of, of what the church is. As, as we close, um, we're going to have a couple songs. During this first song, I want us to take communion together. Many times we just say, you know, take communion or light a candle or, or pray, and you can still pray and do some of those things. But what I want us to do is I want us to stand up. Would you please stand together? And, and for those of you that um, would like to participate who understand that communion represents the blood of Christ that was spilled for us on the cross and the, the bread represents the body that was broken for us. I want this to be a reminder of our oneness in Christ. That unity and community is built in Christ. And so I'd like you, we have a table here, we have a table here. Take a piece of bread, take the cup if you're participating and then come and back to your seat without taking it and we will take it together um, after this song. So let's, uh, let's go and, and participate in